chapter 27. If you didn't feel her heart, you've got a hard heart. I wouldn't give you a whole lot for a singer that can't get touched with their own song. Why should I get touched with anything someone sings if it doesn't touch them? Same way with preaching, by the way. If it doesn't touch your heart, what makes things going to touch my heart? Well, the Word has power, doesn't it? Amen. We believe in that. But I, I think that the, the, the man of God, the, the person, the servant of the Lord, uh, it ought to come from their heart. You ought to sense it. You ought to see it. You ought to feel it. And, um, and God, God uses that in great, great ways. Job chapter 27, if you're there, say amen. amen. If you've got the right kind of Bible, say amen. amen. All right, here we go. And if you've got the right kind of Bible, this is what it's going to say. Moreover, Job continued his parable and said, As God liveth, who hath taken away my judgment, and the Almighty who hath vexed my soul, all the while my breath is in me, and the Spirit of God is in my nostril, my lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. God forbid that I should justify you till I die. I will not remove mine integrity from me. My righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. Now I want to read that again. Here we go. Verse 2. As God liveth, who hath taken away my judgment, and the Almighty, who hath vexed my soul, all the while my breath is in me. Long as God gives me breath, I'm going to preach a sin that is, that is, that is bad, wicked, and hell. I'm going to preach the truth of God's Word. He's making some dogmatic statements here. He says, All the while my breath is in me, and, my, and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils, my lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. Now up to this place, Job had, has experienced some massive disappointments, some great heartaches, things that most of us, uh, many of us will never experience, the the passing of a child, or the passing of a whole slew of all your kids. How could you handle that? Without the help of God, I cannot imagine. We've had people that have lost a child. But here's one that's lost all his children. Not only has he lost his children, he's lost uh, his farm as well. He's lost his finances. The ability to keep on keeping on, maintain things. He's lost the benefit of a faithful helpmeet. Curse God and die. Thou speakest as one of those foolish women. And all this, Job, sin not. He was hurt by the horrible things said by his friends. Now, i gotta, I got to admit something here. I think that's pretty special that they'd come from afar and they'd sit around and not say a word for seven days and be his friend. i got all respect about that. But when they spoke, they didn't speak, speak the things of God. They spoke what they thought and how they felt. And what they thought and how they felt was not the things of God. And what it did to the man of God is in his trials and troubles and disappointments, it, it horribly hurt him. Horribly hurt him. But he said, My lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. God forbid that I should justify you till I die. I will not remove mine integrity from me. My righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me uh, so long as I live. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, Father. I pray that you'll help me to say what needs to be said. I pray that you'll 
uh, allow the Holy Spirit to lead me, guide me, prompt me. And I pray that I'll be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit th- this uh, afternoon. And Lord, that I'd only say those things that you'd have me to say. And Father, we just pray that you'll speak to our hearts, change our lives. And Father, help us to leave this place renewed, refreshed, uh, and revived. And I pray that, Father, you'll help us to go back to our ministries and be what you need for us to be. And they have what they need to uh, be successful in, the, in their spiritual lives as a result of a renewed, uh, revived man of God. Now I pray, Father, that you'll bless as only you can. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. i got a few things to, to say. Do you think the Apostle Paul was uh, ever uh, disappointed? Uh, I, I want to tell you this. Uh, when God refused to answer his prayer concerning the thorn in the flesh, uh, the Apostle Paul was sadly disappointed. I know he was disappointed because he prayed three times. You know, uh, by, by him not getting the answer he was looking for the first time, he prayed a second time. And not getting it the second time, he prayed a third time. That thorn in the flesh was a real problem for the Apostle Paul. Paul did all he could, but in the end, uh, he still had that thorn in the flesh uh, before he got the grace uh, to, to, to maintain. Uh, Paul was sadly, sadly disappointed. King David sent a great sin with Bathsheba and having her husband killed. The prophet Nathan exposed David's sin and gave him the consequences of his sin after David had repented. David fasted and prayed day and night for God to change his mind. After seven days, that precious little baby died. David cried. David fasted. David begged God, but the baby still died. David was sadly, sadly disappointed. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. He wept over the sins of his people. His messages were rejected by his countrymen. His own mother regretted the day he was born, and his dad was disappointed in his son. He was mocked, beaten, thrown into a cistern, and forgotten there. In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 8 and 9, Jeremiah says, For since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. Do you think Jeremiah was sadly disappointed? He was. Elijah prayed a 63-word prayer, and fire fell from heaven and consumed his offering. After he prayed, it rained. Queen Jezebel heard about the false prophets being consumed by God's fire, She promised, if it was the last thing she did, she would kill Elijah. Elijah ran for his life. He found a hiding place at a cave. And after the fire from heaven and rainstorm, uh, Elijah was not the happiest person on earth. He wanted to die. And he was sadly disappointed, discouraged, and wanted to die. John the Baptist preached the whole counsel of God. He called sin, sin and made no apologies for it. When he identified Herod's sin of adultery, he was put in prison. It was during that time that John the Baptist had doubts about his salvation. Are thou the one, or do we look for another? This is the man that said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This is the one. This is the one that said, There's not a greater born in heaven and earth uh, than John the Baptist. This is the one. And yet, 
um, as a result of what he was going through, being punished for preaching God's word, he was sadly disappointed. I candidated a church in Midwest City, Oklahoma. The church was meeting in a school cafeteria. I knew several of the people in the church. I was willing uh, to pastor at no charge to them. I truly wanted to pastor that church. I was, felt like I was ready. I felt like I, I, I knew many of the people, uh, and the people that I knew loved me. But one fellow had issues with my former pastor, and after much discussion, they rejected me as pastor. I was sorely, sadly, incredibly disappointed. Now, there are going to be times that we all are sadly disappointed. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? For Paul, he got the, he got the grace to keep on going. I like that sustaining grace that God gives. That no matter what you're faced with, you've got the grace to keep on keeping on. Uh, keep on making that spiritual journey that God has called you to, to make. For David, he got forgiveness. For Jeremiah, he got a second wind to keep preaching. For me, I got to go to a place called Philadelphia, Missouri. Little did I know then what God had in store. I don't like being told no. A good day for me is when I get my way. Someone asked me one time, what do you want for my birthday? I said, my way. What do I want for Christmas? My way. What do I want for Pastor's Appreciation Day? My way. Okay? I do not like being told no. I asked God to take away my pride, and God said no. He said it was not for Him to take away, but for me to give it up. I asked God to give me patience, and God said no. He said patience is a byproduct of tribulation. Patience isn't given, it's earned. I asked God to give me happiness, and God said no. He said He, he gives blessings, and happiness is up to me. I asked God to spare me pain, and God said no. He said His strength is made perfect in my weakness. I asked God to make my faith grow, and God said no. Growth cometh by digesting my word. I asked God to painlessly make me fruitful. Painlessly make me fruitful. And God said no. Pruning is a painful thing, but it guarantees more fruit. I asked God if He loved me. God said yes. And He proved it on the cross. I asked God to help me love others like He loves. And God says, you finally got it. Yes. There are going to be times in your life that you're going to experience sad disappointments. And it's going to determine what type of a person you really are. You've got little eyes watching you. You've got your spouse watching you. You've got the example of God's people watching you. you you've just got all kinds of eyes watching you on the attitude, your response, how you're going to act. Uh, there have been times that uh, I, I have, in, in Beeville, 
I have uh, been aggravated uh, with the cashier or somebody for something. And, uh, and just about the time I'm ready to open up my mouth and let them have it. They say, how's your insurance going, preacher? I say, well, the pastor needs some improving. <laughs> and I'm so glad I didn't say anything and explode. I want to share with you this afternoon some thoughts about being sadly disappointed. I believe that one of the things that we need to learn about disappointments is that we must not abandon our integrity during disappointing times. In verses 4, 5, and 6 of our text, it says, My wickedness uh, nor my tongue utter deceit. Till I die, I will not remove my integrity from thee, me. My righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. Integrity are godly values that we live by. Values that we live by. They're unchangeable values that we live by. Integrity. Uh, Job had integrity. Wrong is always wrong. Wrong was wrong before our disappointment. Wrong is still wrong after our disappointments. And we must not do wrong just because we're disappointed. Two wrongs don't make a right. Right is always right. We find, when we find God's will, we need to stick to it. We need to make certain we're in the will of God and not being chastised or corrected for a sin. You know, God's that uh, perfect Father that if He's chastising us for a sin, He's going to let us know about it. You wouldn't spank your child and, and chastise them without telling them what they did wrong. Neither would God. It's not a guessing game with God. You open up your heart, you confess your sin, and say, God, I need you. I, I need some wisdom here. And, and, he, and he, gives, he gives freely His wisdom to us. And He will let us know. Refuse to abandon integrity during sad disappointments. Don't give in. Don't give up. Find the will of God. Stick with it. Sad disappointments have caused many to abandon the faith. Don't abandon God. Secondly, refuse sad disappointments from changing you. Learn by it. Sometimes people become like the sad crowd that they're, uh, they're ministering to because they're bad to me, I'm going to be bad to them. Because they don't extend a hand to me, I'm not going to extend a hand to them. Because they don't make an effort to say anything to me, I'm not going to make an effort to say anything to them. Well, that's easy for Christians to do in the church. I think it's a shame when somebody's got to cross the church to shake your hand. I think you ought to be shaking everybody's hand. Unless you've got COVID. And then go to the Methodist church and shake their hands and hug their necks. I'm teasing. They need Christ. They need to be saved, right? Amen. I'm talking about being a friendly church. I'm talking about being a friendly people. I'm talking about not allowing sad uh, disappointments to change you from the person that you are. Well, I hate to think that uh, uh, an old carnal person has changed me from being a spiritual godly person, a happy-go-lucky, to being just like them. And if we're not careful, that's exactly what's going to happen. Don't allow sad, sad disappointments to change you. Realize there's good uh, for, for good to them that love God. You love God, there's good in it. There's something good in it. 
I learned some things when I went to my first church. I've been a pastor of two churches, Philadelphia and, and Beeville Baptist, and, and, and there were some things that just wasn't right. Just, any way you cut it, it's not right. It's wrong. I would hate to be used of God as a church uh, to put a pastor through some trials and tribulation to, to get him uh, to a maturity level so that he can go pass a, pastor a better church. I would hate to be used that way of God. You know, God has two vessels. He's got that, that usable, clean vessel, and He's got that dirty vessel. Both of them are used by the Master. And you understand what the vessels were in Bible times. The uh, usable vessels, the clean, pure, usable vessels, were used to pour water or juice or milk or something like that, and people admired it. Boy, that's a beautiful vessel. Boy, that's nice. Man, that's great. And then there are those, those unusable vessels that you didn't publicly display to anybody. They became bedpans. You understand? Now these folks that used to be Amish, they really understand. You don't get up in the middle of the night and run down the, the pathway and, and find a bathroom. You have your bedpan. These uh, disgusting vessels. I'd hate to be a disgusting vessel. I want to be a clean, usable vessel, a fit for the master's use. That's the type of vessel I want to be. But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of churches that are there, and what they are is they're that disgusting vessel that God can use and will use, but he won't keep his man once he's learned those lessons uh, to continue relearning lessons he's already learned. This is where churches miss the boat. Brother Glenn went to Emden. That was a preacher-killing church. Every two years, they got a new preacher. It wasn't every two years, it was another church. It was every two years, they got a new preacher. The preacher-killing church, what it was. Now, I'm not saying every one of their choices was good. I knew some of their choices. But when they chose Brother Glenn, that was good. But they tried to get rid of him, too. Bless God, he didn't leave. Bless God. So often we'll fall on the sword and we'll say, well, y'all just do what you want to do now. No, God called me. This is God's will for my life. And you recognize that. I recognize that. I haven't changed. God hadn't changed. What about it? You see, and so you find God's will. When you find God's will, you just stick with it. There's going to be some good times. There's going to be some bad times. There's going to be some mountaintop experiences. There's going to be some valleys. And there's going to be some in-betweens. That's the way the will of God works. When you do the will of God, it's not all uh, roses and, and, and pies, you know, like I said earlier today. Sometimes it's just getting down there in the nitty-gritty mud and mire and, and, and working hard and making it work and doing the best you can and just keep on keeping on. I'm going to promise you things will get better. But you've got to get through it. You don't start at the top, you start at the bottom. And as you uh, succeed in the little things, God blesses you in bigger things. And if you're too big for little things, you're too little for big things. You understand that? And that's where a lot of people miss the boat. I'm so glad to be talking and encouraging uh, young preachers. I'm so glad to be able to do that. I, uh, though I've been in the ministry a lot longer than many of you have, uh, I've seen a lot, many a preacher my age and, and uh, my experience uh, fall into sin. I read the Bible about Moses and all the great things that Moses was allowed to do. And at the sunset and the last of his life, what did he do? He sinned a sin uh, by smiting the rock the second time. And God says, come here, bro. That's what could have been yours. But you're not going to get the crossover. 
It's that younger generation. We've got to walk the walk and talk the talk and be faithful to the finish. I don't want my children or my grandkids to ever point to me and say, there's a reason I don't, I don't want to go to church. He's the reason. I want them to see a reason why they should go to church. God has utterly blessed my, my life in, in ways that is just unimaginable. I came from an alcoholic home. I came from a nobody, nobody knows us nothing, just a meaningless family amongst many families. It's just nothing. I was a timid teenager. And then God took that, and he's, he's put the call on me. He's given us the enablement. And, and just because I quit high school and, and, and things like that, it didn't mean that I have... Uh, all the knowledge that high school graduates would have. The, the, probably the biggest fear for me as a preacher is my grammar. I don't know the difference between a, a noun, pronoun, and a danging participle. And when the first church God put me in, there was five teachers there. Good night. I was so intimidated by that. I was preaching one day. And while I was preaching, I must have said something that was just absolutely incredibly wrong. And I had those five teachers gasp for breath. And so I said, well, what do you want? You want good preaching or good grammar? They said both. Well, amen. Amen. I'm telling you, there's going to be sad disappointments in life. And we need to understand that God allows us to go through some things for his glory, for his good. Okay? If we love God, there's good involved. You know, I've recently been disappointed in the elections. I'm not saying there's not a path forward here. There, there may be. And maybe God will do something. I don't know. Uh, I can tell you this. I deeply, dearly, Love and respect our president. There's never been a president in my lifetime that, is, that has done so much for the church and the cause of Christ. Though he is not a committed Christian, he's a Cyrus is what he is. And God has used him greatly. And we have benefited as a nation. And he has supported Israel. And that will provide blessings that God can bless America for. And he has uh, uplifted uh, the, the, the child of God, the churches, and all that. I've been sorely disappointed, but I'm going to tell you he's arrogant. I'm going to tell you he's full of himself. Look what I did. I, 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 and every time he did that, I said, Lord, he don't mean that. He don't mean that. You did it through him. God, he's just a tool. Uh, Lord, he don't, he don't really mean that. And in my prayers, I said, Lord, Lord, I know that he's taking credit for what belongs to you like Nebuchadnezzar did and God put him out in the field for seven years. I said, I know he's doing that, Lord, but I've not been doing that. I've been giving you credit for everything that he's accomplished, that you've used him as a tool to accomplish. Lord, please, turn this thing around. Let him sweat some sweat before that happens. Let him go through some agony and trials. By the way, last week I got a, I got a, a, a message uh, that the president had sent out to a lot of people. Pray at 4 o'clock for him. I did. Never had that the last four years, but I'm getting it now. Now, it might be 
that he might, it might be at the last minute somehow the Lord turns some things and exposes corruption and he, be, he continues. It might be, and it may not be. But I'm going to tell you something. I was, I, 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 I'm happy, instead of I'm looking at the horribleness that we can expect, come January, February, I'm happy that Trump had four years as my president. I'm happy for the hundreds of federal judges he has appointed and the three Supreme Court justices. I'm happy for border security and improved VA hospitals. I'm happy with his executive orders protecting my rights as a preacher. I am thankful God gave America four years to get right and get ready for his soon return. Don't let sad disappointments change you. Refuse to fret during sad disappointments. All it takes for me to fret is to start thinking about what could have been. You know, you've had some disappointments and it is what it is. And instead of thinking, well, it could have been this and it could have been that uh, and how much better it would have been, why don't we just accept for what it is? There's a lot of things in life. You know, there's some people in church, they're they're not going to grow. They're not going to grow. They're there to give you a hard time. And when they die, there'll be somebody that'll take their place. And when you leave the church and go to another church, there'll be somebody with a different name with the same type of problems to give you a hard time. It's going to be there. I had the same problems 37 years later as I did the first year of ministry. I just know how to handle them now. You put them in God's loving care. And God takes care of business. Refuse to fret during sad disappointments. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to hold our head up high. The Bible says in Psalm 3.3, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. And so we can have a pep in our step, a song in our heart, and hold our head up high. There is a God in heaven. And the darker the hour, the brighter our light shines. Refuse to fret during sad disappointments. Refuse to quit praying during sad disappointments. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. When uh, I... The... Amish came into our church and they started growing in grace. I baptized them all. Uh, one of, of their parents had passed away. Joe Schrock. Uh, grandmother, her grandmother. Okay? Had passed away. Brother Schrock and I, I talked and I said, well, I said, I don't think you ought to go in your clothes that you have liberty to wear. I think you ought to try to not offend them. Dress in your Amish attire. So they all did. And I dressed in a black suit. And I took them there in a church van. I got out, and they, they talked Pennsylvania Dutch. Say something to me, Brother Glenn, in Pennsylvania Dutch. He just said, I see he talked in tongues, and I'm going to interpret. He just said he's buying lunch for everybody after the meeting. <laughs> I'm praying for the opportunity for some charismatic to stand up in my church and start yabba-dabba-doing. And when they get through, I'm going to say, folks, uh, this is an interesting interpretation. 
That lady just said, by the way, 99 times out of 100, it'll be a lady. Uh, and, and she won't, and I'll guarantee you she won't be a petite lady either. Okay? 99 times out of 100. And, and, and I'll say, folks, she just, uh, she just, I've got the interpretation. She just, ex- just told that she's been running around on her husband. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Well, how would you know? I'm the one with the interpretation. Oh, they're not going to do that to our church. But Brother Schrock's mother had passed away. And she was laying in state there at the house. There were hundreds of people. I don't know how many buggies and horses and stuff like that. And uh, they they spoke Pennsylvania Dutch. That's French to me. But uh, they spoke Pennsylvania Dutch. And so uh, in a little bit, her daddy was standing there and I was standing beside him. And someone was talking to him. And then somebody else, and then somebody else, and then, then there was a crowd of about 50 of them standing there talking to him. And uh, you, he was responding in English so I could kind of get the gist of what was going on. And Because he could talk Pennsylvania Dutch right back to him. And, uh, and so uh, there's about 50 of them standing around. And then one of the other ex-Amish came over to me and said, Pastor, they're giving Brother Joe a hard time. They really are. Hurt my heart. Hurt my heart that family could be the way they are in such trying times. Here he was, and I could see him just expressing his heart to his family. I didn't leave the Amish to modernize. I left the Amish because of the faith, the freedoms that we find in Christ Jesus. And they were all, oh, why did you come here? Your mother, our mother is, is dead and, and you grieved her to death and just made all these things. And, and so I, I stood up and I said, uh, I said, guys, don't y'all think this is a little bit unequal 50 to 1? He's our brother. Did y'all hear that? In a kind, soft manner, the guy says, this is our I said, but yeah, but it's still unfair, 50 to 1. We're just talking to our brother. I said, well, uh, why don't we pray about this matter? We've already prayed. Stroking their beards, rubbing their bellies, looking humble. And I said, well, the Bible says pray without ceasing. I'm telling you, there's at least 50 all around us. Bowed my head and said, oh, Heavenly Father. And in the moment or two later, when I got through, I looked up and there wasn't a soul around. And then they started coming out from behind, behind trees and behind this, behind that, trying to attack him again. You know, God's people just ought to pray. You, you know, people have this idea that we're just supposed to pray when, it's, when, when we think of it. No, 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 no. A pray without season is a continuous conversation. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When I'm with my wife, it's a continuous conversation. It's not a, uh, well, we're going to talk at breakfast. We're going to talk at lunch. We're going to talk. I know you're with me all day long and all the time, everywhere I go. We're, we're, but I'm going to talk to you three times. Oh, oh thou wifey of a, of, a, of, a, of a lifetime. Oh, thou good woman. Thou that uh, bared me three children and thou that cleanest the house. And oh, thou wonderful woman that thou art. Why do we talk to God like that? Why do we do that? Who is God? He's holy, yes, but he's our best friend. 
And we speak from our heart to His heart. And it's a, it's a continual conversation. And as long as my wife with us, it's back and forth, back and forth. And as long as God is with you, it's back and forth, back and forth. It's not, I'm going to talk to you now and I'm going to, I'm going to say something at noontime and say something at supper time. No, no, it's a continual conversation. And the child of God needs to be praying all the time. And when sad disappointments come, don't quit praying. Lastly, refuse the temptation to abandon worshiping God during sad disappointments. You know, there's people that claim to be people of God, and they're not. Uh, there's diatrophies out there. Uh, there's the chorus who go and get the esteemed men of, of, of stature. And they side with Korah against the man, against the only person that God called. That always amazes me. These un-God called people rise up against the one that God did call. Boy, you better be walking a, you, you better be careful. You better have your lightning rod on. I mean, walking dangerous grounds uh, when you're attacking his servant. And I'm not saying that his servant uh, can walk on water. No, I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying it's His servant. And God knows how to take care of His servants. Problem is, is God's people don't know how to pray. They think that you get your way by muscling yourself in there. We've got the most folks. Constitution and bylaw. Blah, 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 blah. Well, what about the Bible? What about the God-called man? What I'm trying to say is, these type of people... When they give you problems, there's a temptation to just kind of throw up, just, just give up and, and walk away from the ministry. That's not God. That's the devil. God's called you to do a great job that's bigger than you and bigger than me. God's called it. And God will enable you to get through the hard times. And when you do get through the hard times, you'll be able to be a blessing and encouragement to others that are going through the hard times. And life is like that. It's going to be mountaintops, valleys, mountaintops, valleys, mountaintops, valleys. It's just going to be that way. And so we need to learn how to get through those things with the grace of God and the help of God and the enablement of God. And God can do it. But we've got to trust God. And we've got to put our faith in... What do you think this found faithful means? Found faithful. Found full of faith. That's what it means. That you still believe. And if you believe, you will conduct yourself as such. You still believe. And don't let the devil's crowd destroy that belief that God has given you. And that you've grown in grace. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You've got the Word of God in you. You've got the call of God in you. You've got the power of God that will help you to resist evil, evil wherever it is. Refuse the temptation. To abandon worshiping God. You know what worship is? Worship comes from a word that means worthy. Is God worthy of your adoration? Is God worthy of your attention? Of your time? Of your efforts? Of your love? Is God worthy of that? That is all involved in worship. And what we do is we get to thinking how bad I was treated by this person and that person. It's just not worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. Just because 
Uh, man, when you do anything for God, you've you got a target on you. The devil's going to try to stop you as best as he can. Uh, you know, he would have he stopped Adam if he could, but he couldn't. So he went through Eve. Wives, target's on your back too. Are you going to be used of the devil to bring down your husband like Eve did? Are you going to take a strong stand and be faithful to the finish and not be a, a Mrs. Job? A foolish woman? Speaketh as a foolish woman? Acting like a foolish woman? Curse God and die? No! No! Job, you're going through, we're going through misery. And by the way, she's going through misery too. We're going through misery. But, but God's going to help us. I know God's going to help us. I just believe God's going to help us. How can we not trust the one who's been so good to us? We're going we're gonna to make it, Job. We're going to make it. God's going to help us. A faithful wife who is found full of faith. What a thing to have. Understand we're all going to suffer sad disappointments. But with God's help, we can hold our heads up high, have that pep in a step, a song in our heart, and an occasional shout. God is still alive and working behind the scenes. The Bible reminds us, as a man thinketh, so is he. So if you allow yourself to be consumed with these bad situations, then that's the way your life is going to be. There was a shoe salesman that went to Africa. We went over there. He sent word back to the shoe company and said, forget it. Nobody wears shoes. There was a second shoe salesman that went over there, and he looked around. He sent back, and he said, send as many shoes as you could possibly send. Everybody here needs shoes. Amen. Now, how are you going to look at life? Are you going to look at the glass half empty or is it half full? God did this to me? No, He did it for me. God loves me so much, He's allowed me to go through some trials and tribulations so that He can uh, refine me and make me more Christ-like and help me to be stronger and help me to serve Him in a greater and glorious way. And our children are watching. And with God's help, you're going to